My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. It's the Irishman in America podcast with Marion McKeown over there and me over here on me Holliers in Mayo. Losing track of time over here, Marion. Really, it's a vortex, the West of Ireland. I used to say that Galway is like Ireland's Vegas. Once you go in, you might never come out. I feel a little bit like that on these holidays on the Greenway here in Mayo. I talked to Sonia all about the great running that I was having and how you can wake up in a cloud one day and end up with sunburn by the evening. But I think very few things can compare to where you're living right now, Marion. Am I right in saying that LA is so coke fueled now that even the sea life are high as kites? Um, well, now, now that you have slandered and defamed the sea <laughs> life and, and I'm going to take up arms on their behalf, it's a case of mistaken identity, Jarlis, because um, it's the sea life in Florida, if you don't oh, mind. Oh, it's going to complete Ronda Santos country. Exactly. And not only have the Floridians <laughs> got leprosy now to add to their woes, but they've got cocaine sharks. And it's kind of funny because... For, for some reason, that film, Cocaine Bear, although I was too scared to go see it, but just the name used to crack me up because they showed this trailer of this bear just rubbing his face in all this white powder and then going, batch it. <laughs> so now apparently it's happening in Florida for real with the sharks. Now, it, it, this came to the attention of Floridians quite recently because National Geographic did a documentary of sorts. Now, the connections they were making were pretty tenuous, but I, exhibit A is that an awful lot of cocaine gets dumped overboard um, between sort of in, in the waters around Florida because it's coming up from Colombia or wherever. And then they see the old flashing light of the Coast Guard or whoever, and they just go, oh, shit, lads, quick, let's get rid of this. Uh, so much so that the mayor of Tampa was out fishing uh, quite recently, a couple of days ago, and she caught 70 pounds of cocaine. No, the mayor... <laughs> Now, the, mayor. The, the first thought there is that if you get found with a bale of cocaine on your fishing boat is your first excuse. Oh, sure. I'm after catching that in a net somehow. That wasn't on my boat. That's not my cocaine. I just well, got lucky Well, that's the mayor's <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the this is for real. And, this, and this, this is for real. Um, you know, I'm going to be in Miami tomorrow uh, and for several days thereafter. And I'm actually one of the things, oh God, Florida. It's, it's, you know, I don't know if you've ever read Carl Hyacin. The, the, he used to be the Miami uh, Herald uh, columnist and writer. And he's written about 14 or 15 books. 
And they're all about how barking mad Florida is. And they all have an environmental theme, et cetera. But, you know, every time I, I think of Florida and every time I go there, Carl Hyacin, I just think, my God, you nailed it. You really did. So anyway, um, back to our cocaine shark. So what's happening according to, according to the Discovery Channel is that every time these um, bales of cocaine are dumped back in the water uh, by these panicked drug smugglers, uh, the sharks come swimming in the way that if you throw a raw chump into the water or meat or blood or whatever, they'll come swimming for that. But now apparently they're saying their antenna are going, ah, party, party. And they're all swimming and snorting the cocaine. Now, I'm not, I have not personally verified this. I haven't fact checked it myself with yeah, the sharks. Well, well definitely, I'm not sure how much it stands. I'm not sure Oops. how much it stands up to the fact check. But when you read about it, they're saying the sharks are behaving erratic. And this could be explained yeah. by their cocaine intake. I mean, sharks, what constitute erratic shark behavior? Are they, you know, way too talkative late at night? Are they, what's, well, how, how, have they blood tested any of these sharks? You know what I thought when I heard that? I thought immediately of Scarface. So I was thinking shark face, that they've suddenly all got these Uzis and they're shuffling buckets of cocaine up their noses and then they're firing them off in the water randomly at any other shark that passes <laughs> i mean how do you tell exactly it's a good question whether a shark is being irrational i don't know but you know what it's silly season and i think after the grimness of this year and and all of the awful stuff that we've been covering and and the, the non-stop hurricane season that is donald trump i i think it's we should be grateful for a little bit for of something. shark face a little bit of yeah, shark I'll... craziness um but but apparently yeah like the the uh, miami the the waters around that area uh, it, cocaine is regularly found by people who are out in boats it washes up on the shore it's there's nothing unusual about about kilos of coke wash, washing up so i suppose the sharks are getting their cut too yeah, I would explain why so many people live down there if it's actually the water itself that is contained. Like it's not, they're not even saying that it's the bales, but the actual con cocaine content of the water Indeed. itself. I'll put the link in the info for this episode. We've got an awful lot to talk about this week, Marion. And as I said, I am on my holidays in Mayo. So when you sent through some of the stories that you potentially would talk about this week, I really had both eyebrows raised and thought, how, how much has happened since I left? <laughs> but one thing that hasn't changed is Joe Biden's inability to communicate how well things are going for him and his administration. It is yeah. eye-watering some of these figures and some of the changes the man has made. Can you break down for people exactly what Bidenomics has produced Right. Now, I agree with you. I think it must be one of the most frustrating things if you're a Democrat and if you're Joe Biden, that he just is missing the cheerleader gene. He cannot communicate the successes of his administration. And it is that thing, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it, does it? If Biden is doing all these things and achieving all these successes and nobody's aware of it, does it even matter? Because people are still thinking, oh, the economy's lousy, oh, we hate Joe Biden. So the, what's ha what's happened, and it, to the degree that you have people like Mary Barra, who is the, the CEO of General Motors, 
incredibly powerful woman in, in the corporate world. You have Morgan Stanley, you have these people who are really happy. Wall Street is happy with Joe Biden because he is bringing security, stability, and he's letting people like Jerome Powell do their job. So just a couple of the bullet points here. Inflation this time last year was at almost 10%. It was nine point, between 9.3 and 9.7%. He has brought it down to 3% in a year without a recession. And that is the key part, because usually in the economic world, they'll admit you can't have both, that you've got to have, if, if you're raising interest rates and raising interest rates at the rate that Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, has been doing ruthlessly, and some people say he's been going at it too hard, invariably it triggers, if you're lucky, a soft recession. But no, with Biden's management of the economy, the economy has grown by 2.4%. As I said, inflation is down to 3%, very close to the ideal, which is never reached of 2%. It's, inflation is never at 2%. It's always between 2 and 3 uh, mm -hmm. And as well as that, wages in, in real terms have gone up by 4%. Uh, you know, the stock market, you probably always remember Donald Trump going on about the stock market's never been this good. Well, under Biden, the stock market has actually never been as good. The S&P 500 is up by 18%. I mean, these these are the sort of corporate world dream figures. And as I said, the corporate world on Wall Street are kind of saying, look, he never tried to interfere Jerome Powell. He didn't like the way the interest rates were being put up and up and up. Uh, but he said nothing. You may remember Donald Trump at one point threatened to fire Jerome Powell because he wouldn't do one minor thing that he wanted, whatever it was. I can't remember now. But Biden has basically let the Fed be the Fed and, and you know, is carrying on. And then on the back of this, you have a number of other really important things because now factories are opening as a result of the the various acts that he introduced uh, last year, the Infrastructure Act, the CHIPS Act, all of these significant pieces of legislation that he passed. New factories are opening, new roads are being built. Um, and so the economy is really taking off. But the mm. problem is America isn't aware of it. And you almost want to slap Joe Biden. But the problem is that, you know, yesterday, for example, he was out west. Now, he was, he went on the Weather Channel to talk about climate change and about how he was designating more parkland area to a national park around the Grand Canyon. And that's terrific. And, you know, I really respect his, his climate change initiatives. I think he got a little weak on them for various reasons. But anyway, um, and, but he should be talking about the economy all the time. There should be billboards. There should be billboards on every highway in every red state, literally just bullet pointing. This is where the economy is at. We're taking off. New, the things are good. But Americans, poll after poll, show still that they don't feel that the economy is doing well. They don't feel happy about things. And they feel that Donald Trump, by a significant majority, could manage the economy much better than Joe Biden. Unbelievable. Now, but you know, when you say people don't notice, surely they notice it in their daily lives. Well, you know, I speak to a lot of people about this, and I think that perception is so much of everyone's life. It really is, you know. And I've spoken to people where I'll, I'll drill down a little bit. And for example, people, who, the, drugs, but you know, Medicare, now now that the, the feds have the right to bargain with big pharma, 
drugs are cheaper. So people are paying less money for drugs every week, but they'll still say, yeah, but gas is too high or whatever. Or And, you know, some of these prices aren't dropping in some areas, even though they should. Like in a lot of areas, the hospitality industry is one example. The, 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 the hotels and the restaurants are keeping prices high. They're not dropping their menu prices or their room prices in line with the reduced cost of, of running their businesses. They're thinking, ah, you know, this will help our profit margins. So it, it, there's a bit of, you know, that going on as well, that not, not everything is dropping as it should be, that sometimes when things get high, they stay high. But I think that mainly it's messaging. Mainly it's this, this inability of Democrats to really get out there and, and talk about this. And Biden, he is, He's doing a good job. He's proving himself time and again to be a competent president, but he is not a cheerleader. You have guys like Ronald Reagan who could tell you black was white. They could tell you the economy was brilliant, when in fact it was brilliant for a tiny number of people. Joe Biden mm -hmm. is not getting the message across. And I think it's because of his personal lack of communication skills, his personal sort of a lack of charisma that people aren't really listening. And then the Democrats have forever had this bewildering sort of a tendency to to not Modesty. talk about their successes and to be kind of almost yeah. bashful about them. And yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote a piece for the Sunday Business Post last week, as you did. I really <laughs> loved your piece about uh, the aging population of the political community. But the piece that I wrote was about when do, our Irish people have started to accept ordinary things becoming so ridiculously expensive. Yeah. And the feedback that I got when I posted it was from American people who were going, this is the case in our country as well. And everybody yeah. is blaming Joe Biden for the cost of yeah. basic stuff like bread, butter, milk, and just going out for dinner, going through the ceiling, and Joe Biden's doing nothing about it. But it's being yeah. felt all across the world. How much of the problems that everyday Americans are feeling, do they think are exclusive to them, in your opinion? And how, as in, how is their, how insular is their view of the problems they face? A hundred percent insular. Really, even post-COVID, when the whole world was inflation, supply chain issues, all that stuff was strangling the world's economy. America was blaming it all on Joe Biden. It was all Joe Biden's yeah. fault. And, you yeah. know, it's a lot of that is because the Republicans are so good at messaging. They're so good at, at false messaging, I have to say. And Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis and Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan and Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're all out there all day, every day saying, Joe Biden's making a mess of things. He's the worst president we've ever had. Look what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's too old. He's too crazy. And uh, look at the price of everything. And so that's what people are hearing because they are drowning out the timid little voices of the Democrats who are going, well, actually, it's not that bad. And look, we've got, you know, we've brought down inflation by 7% in a year, which is probably a record ever in, you know, the history of world records. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're just not being heard because they're being drowned out by, as I say, there is a 
preconception in America as well that Republicans are good at the economy. Republicans are just better, even though every major recession in practically in US history has happened under a Republican administration. You know, you can go back and back and back, but they still believe that Republicans are better at handling the economy. And, and you know, it's just one of those things that baked into the American cake pretty much. And Biden is having a, a rough time. As I say, because of all these preconceptions, because the Republicans are so ruthlessly effective at their messaging and because Democrats are so timid at theirs that, you know, unless they really figure out a way. And as I say, I don't see what's wrong with billboards. People are in their cars mm -hmm. all day, every day in America. Stick up those giant billboards. Just stick up two or three bullet yeah. points. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. see what's wrong I with that. Put ads on TV. Marion, you need to get in there. You need to get in <laughs> to that campaign room. Because I can remember the State of the Nation address where Joe Biden, we might play the clip where Joe Biden outlined the state of the national debt under Donald Trump. My administration has cut the deficit by more than $1.7 trillion. The largest deficit reduction in American history. <clears throat> Under the previous administration, the American deficit went up four years in a row. Because those record deficits, no president added more to the national debt in any four years than my predecessor. Nearly 25% of the entire national debt that took over 200 years to accumulate was added by just one administration alone, the last one. They're the facts. Check it out. Check it out. And it might have been the first time that those words had been said. And you commented at the time, the audible gasp in the chamber, because nobody had ever said it out loud. Now, as we move on to our next story, which, of course, has to be Twitter related, U.S. special counsel who's investigating Donald Trump obtained a search warrant for the former president's Twitter account. What a brilliant idea, first of all. <laughs> what a superb idea. Jack Smith, we've got to tip the cap to him this week. A search warrant for the president's Twitter account. Did you even think such a thing could exist, Marion? The social you know media platform delayed complying. What yeah. does all this mean? Can you explain well, it? Do you know what? Apparently, I spoke to one of my old buddies who, who you know, who worked at, in the SDNY, the Southern District of New York, as, as federal prosecutors. And she said to me, we do this quite a bit. And she said, because you can Twitter message. You can do, like, if, if, if we are both following each other, we can message each other sort of offline on Twitter. And she said that we all know Donald Trump never uses email. He never really writes anything down, but he was hooked on Twitter. He was, before, before he was pushed off it and, and, you know, after January 6th, he, he was on Twitter all the time. So Jack Smith, decided that he would get a search warrant and it was granted quite quickly to go and and have a look around, have, have a route around Donald Trump's Twitter, which has been lying unused and abandoned for, for a couple of years now. What happened was it was Elon Musk who had since taken it over, who said, uh, well, you know, eventually, okay, well, we'll comply with it, but we want to tell Donald Trump first. And Smith and the courts went, no, 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 the whole point of this warrant is that you don't t tell the defendant in advance so he doesn't have time to get in there and scrub everything and delete everything and warn everybody else he's ever, you know, sent messages to via Twitter or posted to. And so uh, basically Elon Musk then didn't comply and didn't comply and there were delays and eventually he was fined $350,000 
for failing to turn over the data because, as I say, he wanted to t- to tip off Trump first. And again, they're sort of two peas from the same pod, really. This kind of disregard of the law, this kind of yes, but you know, we're different. And um, and so anyway, th- I think a couple of the tweets in particular, the you know, the January sixth tweet, the one "Be there, it'll be wild," and the one about Mike Pence, which was issued at I believe around two thirty six p.m. On the afternoon of January 6th, when the Capitol had been stampeded, when Donald Trump once again, knowing Mike Pence's life was in danger, seeing the hang Mike Pence outside, um, had tweeted Mike Pence basically didn't do the right thing. He's a coward or whatever. So, you know, words, hmm. I have, I'm, I'm paraphrasing there. That wasn't yeah. the exact tweet. So again, this is, this is evidence of, of intent. Now, Jack Smith is not, and we've discussed this. Very wisely, there's nowhere he's saying Donald Trump couldn't say what he said on January 6th. He's not claiming that Donald Trump basically sicked the mob on Capitol Hill. He's not blaming him or charging him with inciting a riot. He's focused entirely on the plot beforehand, on what happened between November 3rd, essentially, 2020, when he lost the election, and January 6th, when and, and a couple of weeks after that as well, when it culminated in this awful riot. Um, so that's where that. Yeah, can I just ask, because I remember saying to you at the time where there was the controversy over the We Love You, Go Home video, that co- could we get access to the outtakes, to the reshoots of that video? Yeah. Yeah. Similarly, I would imagine that there are drafts in this Twitter account of tweets that weren't sent. You know, the way you save a draft of a tweet. Was Elon Musk attempting to give Trump access to his account again so that he could get yeah. his files in order, uh, delete the porn off the hard drive before you send the laptop in to be repaired? Is that what's, uh, that, is that what's emerging here? Yeah, that seems to be that Elon Musk, the reason he was delaying compliance with this warrant was that he wanted to give Trump a chance to basically tidy up, shall we say, his account. Yeah. And and yeah. and that, you know, and again, it's just that bewildering. It's not ignorance of the law because he's a smart man. It's defiance of the law or it's his assumption that the law doesn't really apply to people like him and Donald Trump, that they have... They they have the right to do pretty well whatever they want. So yeah, this is this has been one of the big the big um, Trump stories this week. And of course, he's back in court. Well, he's not. He doesn't have to attend, but his lawyers are back in court uh, to discuss a protective order. And there's also now next week we're expecting the other shoe to drop in Georgia and the, the tirades and the way that he has gone after Fannie Willis has been so extreme, so racist, so scurrilous that she has sent a series of memos to her staff to say, don't bother defending me. Don't get engaged with this. You know, basically stick to doing your jobs, keep your heads down. But what he is saying about her and claiming she had affairs with gangsters, calling her all kinds of names, it's it's really unprecedented. I mean, can you imagine in an Irish court if hypothetically, I don't know, pick any criminal, any gangland criminal, if they went on about the judge is a moron, the, you know, the judge is doing what Enda Kenny is telling him to do, or Leo Varadkar, and the prosecutor is a junkie who's knocking off criminals. And it's just, mm. it's just shocking. So I don't know. I suspect, I think Fanny Willis, and, and Trump has also taken out full page ads in local, uh, you know, conservative rags 
slandering Fanny Willis and and saying again things about her that are absolutely not true, but that are really outrageous. And this to me seems like a clear attempt to taint the jury pool because people do read newspapers. And if you yeah. see these massive ads, so I don't know. I mean, apparently, like we're all hearing in the media world that these indictments are going to drop next week, that in, in Georgia, Trump will be indicted next week. And and that Georgia is a fiercely red Republican state, notwithstanding that it did send for the first time in its history two Democrats to the Senate in 2020 and 2022. But, but you know, it, it's always been a red state. It's the home of Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's the home of so many flame-throwing Republicans. And there's a real concern. I mean, we know that they've put security barriers all around the courthouse, all around the area. People are being told to work from home who normally work in the building if they can at all. And um, there are security precautions in place, but there, there's a feeling that people are really holding their breath over this because Trump has really been active in stirring up a hornet's nest of resentment and anger towards Fannie Willis down there. And it's kind of gone under the radar because everybody's been fixated on Jack Smith and his protection order and his battle with Trump because of the, you know, what he's been posting, like, if you go after me, I'll come after you, et cetera, you know, that kind of thing. But but what's happening in, in Georgia is really well worth keeping an eye on. Wow. Well, can you tell us exactly what's been said? Because Tina was trying, my wife was trying to explain to my son, Mikey, who's 12 at the table, exactly what Trump had said about accusing Fanny Willis of being racist, of having these extramarital affairs, uh, to which Mikey replied, he, if so, she's an awful lot in common with him. <laughs> because <laughs> that's our boy. That, is, uh, that he's pretty good at himself. But I'd like to know specifically, what is it he's accused her of? And surely, Marion... Again, forgive my naivety on this side of the Atlantic. Surely you're not allowed to do that. Like, surely this shouldn't go on air on local TV because it's just, it, 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 there's got to be a law, right? Uh, it, it's slander. I mean, it's it's defamation. Yeah. He said he had an affair with a, a pretty notorious gang member while she was a prosecutor, he's implied that she's been really facilitating gang members and letting them off light because basically she's she's sleeping with them. You know, he's he's accusing her of being racist on the basis that she's a black woman, so she is discriminating against him, a white man, a poor, rich, white billionaire. Um, he said this as well, of course, about Alvin Bragg in New York and Letitia James. So it's it's mainly... Um, as I say, to to say that an elected an elected district attorney is having an affair with a gang member and the racism inherent in that as well, you know, is is so disgusting. And, and, and he's called her he's called her names. He's called her the equivalent of being a whore, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like he's called her all kinds of names as well. And as I say, he's he's taken out these. And there is and there's no way of stopping this. Well, there should be. I, I cannot understand why. Now, as I said, she sent out a message yesterday to her staff saying, keep your heads down. Don't ignore respond this. To this. Yeah. Ignore this. Now, I assume that she she must be um, in a position where she can go to any judge and say, I want a gag order on this. This is, he is tainting the jury pool. He's intimidating witnesses. He is, you know, he's defaming me. None of these things 
have ever happened in America before a court case like this. It's, you know, like so many things, Trump, we need a new word for unprecedented, but it really is. And, you know, this woman already has to have um, protection around the clock because she's had so many death threats. Her family have had so many death threats. And, you know, she's working under enormous pressure. She pressure. She's one of the most vilified people already in Georgia because um, she has had the temerity to bring this RICO case against Trump. And she's actually doing it for the legal nerds out there in a very interesting way because she's back in the 70s, uh, Georgia had huge, huge crime problems. And they decided that they would introduce a RICO, a racketeering statute, which is one of the kind of m- most used um tactics in in uh, Georgia. So it allows, you know, you you might be charged with one aspect of a crime, one aspect of a conspiracy. You might be just driving the getaway car, but it allows basically um, the the prosecutor to present the whole story, everything to do with it, to weave sort of all the little threads together and to show. So what she wants to do, presumably, is to show how this conspiracy came about, because in Georgia, we always talk about the phone call to Brad Raffensperger, who was Secretary of State, where Donald Trump said, I just want you to find me 11,780 votes, which was one more than what Biden had won the state by. And um, and then he says, you know, if you don't do this, it could it mightn't go well for you because it could look yeah. like you're aware of criminal activity and you're not doing anything and you could be committing a crime, more or less saying, I'm going to go after you if you don't do this. But there was also tampering with voter machines. There was also intimidation of other people. There was a whole bunch of stuff that went on down in Georgia. And Fannie Willis wants to present this all together and to show that it's not just one thing, that there are all these things were working together in concert and that this was a very deliberate multi-prong attack on the credibility of the election results in Georgia with a view to overthrowing Joe Biden's results and handing the state to Donald Trump. So, you know, she's she's taking a kind of a novel approach. She's got really big RICO experts in there. Donald Trump, interestingly, a bit of trivia in Georgia, is being represented by Cardi B's lawyer, <laughs> Drew oh. Finlater, who normally represents rappers. He, he also has represented a lot of gang members in the past, um, he he tends to represent a lot of the Georgia music industry types, and a lot of those are rappers and and hip hop artists. So Donald Trump is a kind of a a new sort of uh, a new avenue for him. But he was asked, <laughs> uh, the money presumably was paid up front, and uh, he said, "Well, look, everyone's entitled to a defend a, a, a good defense, and I'll do my best for him, even though he has no sympathy on a political level for Donald Trump." So. It's, it is, I think the Georgia case is going to be a very, very interesting one. But I, as I say, that what's, what's happening there and what's happening sort of beneath the radar to me is really shocking. Well, we're going to hear an awful lot more about it, as you say, if those indictments are coming down the track in the next two weeks. Well, next week, please use the word. Um, I, I think early next week, the grand jury is meeting again next week. So we, okay. we, and of course, it's not just going to be Donald Trump. Like Jack Smith has been very clear to just go after Donald Trump on his own. But in this case, it looks like there will be multiple defendants that it won't be just Trump, but you could have the whole, as I said, because of the way she's prosecuting this using RICO, there will likely be multiple defendants. 
every single week on the show, we provide you with a second half, an extra 30 minutes of content discussion and a deeper dive into some of the stories that might not hit the radar on this side of the Atlantic. That's what we do for our members over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. And this week, we're going to talk about two stories, among others. The Hollywood writer's strike and its impacts economically felt far and wide and a man accused of threatening Joe Biden shot and killed in an FBI raid in Utah. You'll need to hear it all over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.